section 12 of rights of man by thomas paine this librivox recording is in the public domain read by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana rights of man part the first being an answer to mr burke's attack on the french revolution part nine of thirteen one of the continual choruses of mr burke's book is church and state he does not mean some one particular church or some one particular state but any church and state and he uses the term as a general figure to hold forth the political doctrine of always uniting the church with the state in every country and he censures the national assembly for not having done this in france let us bestow a few thoughts on this subject all religions are in their nature kind and benign and united with principles of morality they could not have made proselytes at first by professing anything that was vicious cruel persecuting or immoral like everything else they had their beginning and they proceeded by persuasion exhortation and example how then is it that they lose their native mildness and become morose and intolerant it proceeds from the connection which mr burke recommends by engendering the church with the state a sort of mule animal capable only of destroying and not of breeding up is produced called the church established by law it is a stranger even from its birth to any parent mother on whom it is begotten and whom in time it kicks out and destroys the inquisition in spain does not proceed from the religion originally professed but from this mule animal engendered between the church and the state the burnings in smithfield proceeded from the same heterogeneous production and it was the regeneration of this strange animal in england afterwards that renewed rancor and irreligion among the inhabitants and that drove the people called quakers and dissenters to america persecution is not an original feature in any religion but it is always the strongly marked feature of all law religions or religions established by law take away the law establishment and every religion reassumes its original benignity in america a catholic priest is a good citizen a good character and a good neighbor an episcopalian minister is of the same description and this proceeds independently of the men from there being no law establishment in america if also we view this matter in a temporal sense we shall see the ill effects it has on the prosperity of nations the union of church and state has impoverished spain the revoking the edict of nance drove the silk manufacture from that country into england and church and state are now driving the cotton manufacture from england to america and france let then mr burke continue to preach his anti-political doctrine of church and state it will do some good the national assembly will not follow his advice but will benefit by his folly it was by observing the ill effects of it in england that america has been warned against it and it is by experiencing them in france that the national assembly have abolished it and like america have established universal right of conscience and universal right of citizenship footnote when in any country we see extraordinary circumstances taking place they naturally lead any man who has a talent for observation and investigation to inquire into the causes the manufacturers of manchester birmingham and sheffield are the principal manufacturers in england from whence did this arise a little observation will explain the case 
the principal and the generality of the inhabitants of those places are not of what is called in england the church established by law and they or their fathers for it is within but a few years withdrew from persecution of the chartered towns where test laws more particularly operate and established a sort of asylum for themselves in those places it was the only asylum that then offered for the rest of europe was worse but the case is now changing france and america bid all comers welcome and initiate them into all the rights of citizenship policy and interest therefore will but perhaps too late dictate in england what reason and justice could not those manufacturers are withdrawing and arising in other places there is now erecting in passe three miles from paris a large cotton manufactory and several are already erected in america soon after the rejecting the bill for the repealing the test law one of the richest manufacturers in england said in my hearing quote, england sir is not a country for a dissenter to live in we must go to france End quote. these are truths and it is doing justice to both parties to tell them it is chiefly the dissenters that have carried english manufacturers to the height they are now at and the same men have it in their power to carry them away and though those manufacturers would afterwards continue in those places the foreign market will be lost there frequently appear in the london gazette extracts from certain acts to prevent machines and persons as far as they can extend to persons from going out of the country it appears from these that the ill effects of the test laws and church establishment begin to be much suspected but the remedy of force can never supply the remedy of reason in the progress of less than a century all the unrepresented parts of england of all denominations which is at least an hundred times the most numerous may begin to feel the necessity of a constitution and then all those matters will come regularly before them and footnote i will here cease the comparison with respect to the principles of the french constitution and conclude this part of the subject with a few observations on the organization of the formal parts of the french and english governments the executive power in each country is in the hands of a person styled the king but the french constitution distinguishes between the king and the sovereign it considers the station of king as official and places sovereignty in the nation the representatives of the nation who compose the national assembly and who are the legislative power originate in and from the people by election as an inherent right of the people in england it is otherwise and this arises from the original establishment of what is called the monarchy for as by the conquest all the rights of the people or the nation were absorbed into the hands of the conqueror and who added the title of king to that of conqueror those same matters which in france are now held as rights in the people or in the nation are held in england as grants from what is called the crown the parliament in england in both its branches were erected by patents from the descendants of the conqueror the house of commons did not originate as a matter of right in the people to delegate or elect but as a grant or boon by the french constitution the nation is always named before the king the third article of the declaration of rights says quote, the nation is essentially the source or fountain of all sovereignty end quote mr burke argues that in england a king is the fountain that he is the fountain of all honor 
but as this idea is evidently descended from the conquest i shall make no other remark upon it than that it is the nature of conquest to turn everything upside down and as mr burke will not be refused the privilege of speaking twice and as there are but two parts in the figure the fountain and the spout he will be right the second time the french constitution puts the legislative before the executive the law before the king la loi les rois this also is in the natural order of things because laws must have existence before they can have execution a king in france does not in addressing himself to the national assembly say my assembly similar to the phrase used in england of my parliament neither can he use it consistently with the constitution nor could it be admitted there may be propriety in the use of it in england because as is before mentioned both houses of parliament originated from what is called the crown by patent or boon and not from the inherent rights of the people as the national assembly does in france and whose name designates its origin the president of the national assembly does not ask the king to grant to the assembly liberty of speech as is the case with the english house of commons the constitutional dignity of the national assembly cannot debase itself speech is in the first place one of the natural rights of man always retained and with respect to the national assembly the use of it is their duty and the nation is their authority they were elected by the greatest body of men exercising the right of election the european world ever saw they sprung not from the filth of rotten boroughs nor are they the vassal representatives of aristocratical ones feeling the proper dignity of their character they support it their parliamentary language whether for or against a question is free bold and manly and extends to all the parts and circumstances of the case if any matter or subject respecting the executive department or the person who presides in it the king comes before them it is debated on with the spirit of men and in the language of gentlemen and their answer or their address is returned in the same style they stand not aloof with the gaping vacuity of vulgar ignorance nor bend with the cringe of sycophantic insignificance the graceful pride of truth knows no extremes and preserves in every latitude of life the right angled character of men let us now look to the other side of the question in the addresses of the english parliaments to their kings we see neither the intrepid spirit of the old parliaments of france nor the serene dignity of the present national assembly neither do we see in them anything of the style of english manners which borders somewhat on bluntness since then they are neither of foreign extraction nor naturally of english production their origin must be sought for elsewhere and that origin is the norman conquest they are evidently of the vassalage class of manners and emphatically mark the prostrate distance that exists in no other condition of men than between the conqueror and the conquered that this vassalage idea and style of speaking was not got rid of even at the revolution of sixteen eighty eight is evident from the declaration of parliament to william and mary in these words quote, we do most humbly and faithfully submit ourselves our heirs and posterities forever End quote. submission is wholly a vassalage term repugnant to the dignity of freedom and an echo of the language used at the conquest 
as the estimation of all things is given by comparison the revolution of sixteen eighty eight however from circumstances it may have been exalted beyond its value will find its level it is already on the wane eclipsed by the enlarging orb of reason and the luminous revolutions of america and france in less than another century it will go as well as mr burke's labors quote, to the family vault of all the capulets end quote. mankind will then scarcely believe that a country calling itself free would send to holland for a man and clothe him with power on purpose to put themselves in fear of him and give him almost a million sterling a year for leave to submit themselves and their posterity like bondmen and bondwomen forever but there is a truth that ought to be made known i have had the opportunity of seeing it which is that notwithstanding appearances there is not any description of men that despise monarchy so much as courtiers but they well know that if it were seen by others as it is seen by them the juggle could not be kept up they are in the condition of men who get their living by a show and to whom the folly of that show is so familiar that they ridicule it but were the audience to be made as wise in this respect as themselves there would be an end to the show and the profits with it the difference between a republican and a courtier with respect to monarchy is that the one opposes monarchy believing it to be something and the other laughs at it knowing it to be nothing as i used sometimes to correspond with mr burke believing him then to be a man of sounder principles than his book shows him to be i wrote to him last winter from paris and gave him an account how prosperously matters were going on among other subjects in that letter i referred to the happy situation the national assembly were placed in that they had taken ground on which their moral duty and their political interest were united they have not to hold out a language which they do not themselves believe for the fraudulent purpose of making others believe it their station requires no artifice to support it and can only be maintained by enlightening mankind it is not their interest to cherish ignorance but to dispel it they are not in the case of a ministerial or an opposition party in england who though they are opposed are still united to keep up the common mystery the national assembly must throw open a magazine of light it must show man the proper character of man and the nearer it can bring him to that standard the stronger the national assembly becomes in contemplating the french constitution we see in it a rational order of things the principles harmonize with the forms and both with their origin it may perhaps be said as an excuse for bad forms that they are nothing more than forms but this is a mistake forms grow out of principles and operate to continue the principles they grow from it is impossible to practice a bad form on anything but a bad principle it cannot be engrafted on a good one and wherever the forms in any government are bad it is a certain indication that the principles are bad also I will here finally close this subject. I began it by remarking that Mr. Burke had voluntarily declined going into a comparison of the English and French constitutions. He apologizes, in page 241, for not doing it, by saying that he had not time. Mr. Burke's book was upwards of eight months in hand, and is extended to a volume of 366 pages. As his omission does injury to his cause, his apology makes it worse 
the men on the english side of the water will begin to consider whether there is not some radical defect in what is called the english constitution that made it necessary for mr burke to suppress the comparison to avoid bringing it into view End of part nine of thirteen